Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hi, and welcome to New Books in Middle East Studies. So today we're doing something a little different. We're not focusing just on one book. We're talking to the founder of an academic press, Gorgias Press. So welcome, George Kiraz. Thank you. It's good to have you. So we always begin with a biographical question. So how did you come into the study of the Middle East broadly? And more specifically, I know that you work on Syriac materials. Uh, Yes, um... Uh, I grew up in the Syriac church in Bethlehem, so my interest in Syriac itself grew up in the church, going to the uh, to the to the to the liturgy, basically uh, studying the language, and then as uh, uh, the, the expectation of any Middle Eastern kid, you have to become an engineer or a lawyer uh, or something of that sort. So I went and I studied engineering. But Syriac was always uh, kind of uh, in my heart. So I wanted to, after I finished my engineering degree, take a year off and went to the Oriental Institute at the University of Oxford and studied Syriac formally. Uh, But then three days from arrival, I fell in love with being at such a setting and I decided, you know, uh, no need for this engineering business. Uh, And that's how I got uh, more into Syriac and from Syriac expanded to other things in the Middle East. So what prompted the founding of the press specifically? Because I believe it was founded in the 90s? Uh, Yes, Uh, it was founded in 2001. Uh And uh, the the reason was accidental. Um, I used to work for a dot-com company, uh, Nuance Communications, which is a speech technology company. Uh, It's in Silicon Valley, so I was hired to open a... Uh, an office for them in the New York area. So we opened an office on Wall Street. Uh, but unfortunately, nine months into it, the dot-com crash came and uh, ruined that plan, at least for them. Um, and uh, I took uh, my severance package from them and I uh, was thinking, you know, what to do. And I thought, why don't I do something that is close to my heart? So I started the press. So how has the press grown? So sort of what was the first phase of the press's founding and how has it grown since that? Uh, so once once we started, uh, obviously the, the first thing that you need is books to publish. Uh, and I went a few months later to, uh, a li- uh, to, uh, to Leiden uh, in Holland to a conference on, on the Syriac Bible. And all the scholars were supportive and we said, you know, we'll, we'll write books for you, George. Uh, but I came home and I talked to my wife, Christine, who is a partner with me in this uh, this business. And I said, well, we'll probably starve to death by the time these books are, are, are completed. Uh, so I went to my library. I've been collecting books since I was 14 years old. And I, I picked about 12 books that I knew many people would love to have. Uh, think of the age where there is no Google Books. Um, I'm not sure if archive.org was around. So, you know, no, no PDFs of old books online, basically. Uh, and I took 12 of these books, and most of them were out of copyright because they're so old, and reprinted them. 
uh, and uh, made an announcement on some academic uh, on, on online academic uh, lists. Um, and orders started coming in, and we thought, oh, so we can reprint old books. Uh, so the first phase of the company was reprinting old books. A bit by bit, new books started coming in. But it took about 10 years until the new books overcame the reprints. Now, we hardly do any reprints. Everything that we do is, is new books. Um, so today, what do you largely publish? What are sort of the categories that you publish? Uh, we do a lot in religion. Uh, mostly biblical studies, Old Testament, Hebrew Bible, and New Testament. Uh, we do the history of the Middle East. And now we're just expanding into Islamic studies as well. We have two, two series uh, in Islamic studies. Uh, late Antiquity, uh, Eastern Christianity. Uh, the, the name of the company is Gorgias. Uh, it's a Greek name because, you know, we thought if we were to pick a Syriac name, it won't go anywhere uh, financially, so to speak. Uh, so we said, well, let's get, pick up some name from the West. So we, we picked up Gorgias, which comes from Greek classics. But we were never able to venture into that uh, successfully or, 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 or Europe. So we're mostly uh, we're working on material from the Middle East, both ancient, um, late antiquity, me- medieval and modern. So you work large, I mean, one of the categories of publishing that I know you for is for Syriac materials, and I think you're probably the foremost uh, publisher today of Syriac materials, also monographs, but also handbooks on the um, the language um, and translations. Can you speak just a bit about what Syriac is, um, Syriac studies as a field, and sort of how you fit into it and how you're keeping up with the trends and setting the trends in Syriac studies? Yeah, uh, Syriac is a dialect of Aramaic. Uh, and the earliest Syriac text that we have is an inscription from 6 AD. Literary text, we start getting manuscripts in the beginning of the 5th century. We probably have some 4th century undated manuscripts. Uh, so literature is, is from the beginning of the Common Era and goes on until the modern day. Uh, classical Syriac is, is still written, not, not to, to, to a great uh, uh, deal as it was in, in antiquity, but it, it's in continu- continuous use. Uh, people come to Syriac studies for various reasons. Uh, some come to it because they're interested in Syriac itself, but many come to it because they're interested in biblical studies. Uh, the the Syriac Old Testament is the uh, one of the oldest existing translations of the of the Hebrew Bible. It has interesting interesting variants. Uh, people come to it who are interested in, in Greek material, especially Greek material that is lost in Greek, that is surviving only now in Syriac, uh, contact with, with other religions of the of antiquity, uh, people who are interested in the translation movements from Greek into Arabic come into Syriac because Syriac was the, the medium by which uh, uh, the, the, that, that facilitated, so to, so to speak, this, this translation. Uh, movement. Uh, the trend today is late antiquity, and also there's a new trend of uh, what can Syria tell us about the early formation of Islam. Uh, so people come to it from 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 various sources. As for my uh, place in this picture, uh, I grew up in a in a Syriac context, so my academic interest was was more traditional, and that's why I wanted to go to Oxford to. To be more on the uh, to do it the academic way, so so to speak. Uh, so I I combine both the tradition and 
and uh, hopefully academic rigor. Um, I was involved from the early days because of my technical background in what today we call digital humanities. It, it, that, that name didn't exist. It came in the late 90s. Uh, so, so I was involved in in designing the uh, early Syriac fonts, which are still used today. Um, the one of the first peer review electronic journals uh, that are freely available online uh, is Hugoye. So that's from 1998, and various other computing projects. So that was one of my contributions to to the field. So, in addition to these Syriac related materials, you publish a lot of different handbooks that deal with sort of the more technical side of um, studying different academic, uh, di- uh, the, the more technical side of studying many um, unspoken languages, many academic languages. Um, so, for example, you have um, what is titled A Unique Hebrew Glossary from Indian Analysis of Judeo-Arabic by uh, Professor Rubin at Penn State. And that just really caught my eye because that's something very unique. And you do that's just one example of, of many unique Handbooks and um, and 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 English um, and and technical guides that you provide. Yes, this example by uh, Aaron Rubin, the the glossary from from India, is a project that came to us because now we have a name in the field. Uh, authors kind of contact us when they have something that they would like to to publish. As it happens, Aaron Rubin is an existing author of. Of the press. In this particular case, he intended this to be an article, and as uh, sometimes things happen, articles uh, you know grow and grow organically sometimes, uh, and it became too long for an article. So he approached us if, if we can publish it uh, as a small book, but it, it was fitting for the handbook series because it, it's technical and, and in, in a way, you know, it, it is a handbook. So a lot of these projects, some of them we initiate, but a lot of them. A lot of these projects come to us um, from the authors directly. No, and they're very useful for, I mean, students like myself who are just starting to get into the field, something we can rely on and turn back to as we go through sources on our own. And another example is um, you have a handbook in this handbook series, An Introduction to Working with Manuscripts for Medievalists by Bach. Yes, uh, so this is not something that came to us. Uh, We have a team of acquisitions editors that have, you know, their eyes out there, what is available. And the author, Buck, uh, had a blog uh, on on this topic. And uh, one of our editors uh, looked at it and they thought, oh, that would be you know, great if this can be expanded into a handbook. So we, we are the ones who are our editors, are the ones who contacted him and suggested, you know, would you be interested in ex- expanding this in, in, in a book uh, form as a, as a handbook? And when we published it, because we publish, we don't do a lot in medieval studies, the first uh, reaction was uh, Islamicists who came to us and said, you know, do you have something like this on Islamic manuscripts? Because that's what we would like to have. Then our editor in Islamic studies took on that project and uh, and contacted leading figures in, in manuscripts uh, in Islamic studies and uh, next in 2018, a similar book on Islamic manuscripts will be published. So what about, you also publish a lot of monographs. Um, what's your selection criteria for monographs? Does this necessarily have to complement all the philological and linguistic work that you do with these handbooks? Yeah, so, so the, the monographs mostly also come to us uh, by the authors. Sometimes we keep our eyes on uh, uh, 
uh, rising authors, young scholars, uh, we write to them to, to ask if they have anything of interest to be published or if we notice a PhD dissertation that's in the making that we think is a good fit and, and it, it, it's a good dissertation, then we contact the author. Uh, and <coughs> in order to keep things in cohesion, we have a number of monograph series and we would like to fit things you know, within, within our, uh, our monograph series. So just to sort of switch gears for a moment, you have several ongoing projects and one of them is the Antioch Bible. Can you explain that a bit to us? Yeah. Uh, so the the uh, the Syriac Bible uh, has never been published in West Syriac with full vocalization and full dotting. Uh, so those who know who know Arabic and know the Quran, those who know Hebrew and know the Hebrew Bible, know that you know the the, the dots and the vowels are a very important component. If you were to go and buy the standard Bible now from the Bible Society. In West Syriac, uh, while the New Testament is marked, but the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible has has no marks whatsoever. Uh, so, so uh, one of the uh, reasons I took on this project when it was suggested to us uh, was was to to make available such a Bible. So first, we're doing this academic edition, which is publishing one book at a time uh, with English translation. This is the first time that the Syriac Bible is being translated into Syriac. There are many biblical scholars who do not know Syriac, uh, but they need somewhat access to the Syriac Bible in order to, to, to do their comparative work. Uh, so, so this, this uh, uh, project uh, makes that available. Uh, but it also has another, uh, another, another objective, which is contributing to uh the the contemporary or today's life of Syriac Christians uh what we hope to do is to have at the end of the day uh, an English version of a Syriac Bible that Syriac people in the diaspora can use in their liturgical settings so it has both an academic but also um, a community objective I should probably add that you're actually an author on a work on that's the settled the Syriac dot if I'm not Correct, yes. The Syriac got a brief or a short history or something yeah. along those lines. And you published it, right, through Gorgias? Yeah, I wrote it and I published it through Gorgias. Um, and I've heard quite good things about it um, from yourself, and not just from yourself, of course, but from other people in the field. So um, I'd also wanted to ask you about the fact that you, on your website, you um, have a section on open access, and we've also referenced the digital humanities. Can you tell us a bit more about that and how that fits into your press's larger mission. Yeah, uh, so um, uh, the open source to me, to me personally, is very important. I'm, I'm the one who began Hugoya Syriac Journal of Syriac Studies, which is now, I think, I believe in its twentieth volume. So that's about 20, 20 years ago, when people didn't look at electronic publications as, as real publications. It was a bit tough in the beginning. Uh, we would like. Uh, to have as many books uh, open access and open source at Gorgias Press. The, the, the challenge is really a financial challenge because once you have it online, that means you can't sell many copies. Uh, but there are many projects that are funded by governmental sources, both here and in Europe, that also demand that the results of the project be made for free uh, um, uh, online. 
uh, and usually there is a financial line item in those in those projects where there is an amount that goes to the publisher to 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 make it possible for the publisher to, to make such books uh, online. So the, the more that are free free books online, you know, the better for 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 everybody. Uh, and I hope you know this this will grow and authors will realize that this is very important. Uh, but the, the the responsibility at this point of finding the funding for that really uh, lies you know with with the contributors um so in addition to these governmental projects and these external sources of funding um are there any other open access projects um that you feature through your press and how do you select them if you do? uh through the the press uh we we only have the the you know the open access uh of the books and that's basically we give that option to 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 every author uh, if they would like to make their book open access um uh, there are publishers that charge a lot of money, sometimes seven to ten thousand dollars, to make a book open open access. We try to make our uh, our charges, you know, a fraction of that, uh, because we want to make it you know, doable. Otherwise, uh, if if it's too expensive, pe- pe- people cannot do that. That is the main open access activity I'm involved in. I also direct the Syriac Institute, which is a nonprofit, and anything that the Syriac Institute does is open access and, and freely available online. We have a dictionary, a Syriac lexical resource called Sedra, uh, and the link is sedra.bethmarduso.org. Currently, it's for Syriac, but at some point, we would really like to expand it to other Semitic languages, Arabic and Hebrew, and and and, and, and even some of the early dead Semitic languages. We hope uh, to be able to find scholars in universities who might be interested uh, to write grant applications with us so that we can get funding to expand Sedra beyond beyond Syriac. Yeah, hopefully, inshallah. Um, so are there any other projects that you have on the way, any particular monographs you're excited about? or? Uh, in terms of, uh, of my writings, I have uh, uh, a very long-term project, uh, which is a comprehensive grammar of the Syriac language. I published in 2012, I believe, the first volume on orthography. Uh, usually orthography takes about 10 pages of the grammar book. Uh, this was a 400-page on orthography. Oh, wow. uh, next will be phonology. Uh, and I'm now in the process of collecting collect, collecting you know, data for phonology. In terms of the books in, in the press, uh, our uh, senior acquisitions editor is, is Melanie Schmierer, who, uh, who works also at the Geniza uh, in at the University of Cambridge, and we also have uh, other uh, editors in in other fields, and they're the ones who are bringing books. We are very excited about uh, our Islamic series that that Adam Walker is is working on, and he's is having some great names uh, and great people to contribute to that series. So we're looking forward to see more and more of that. Well, congratulations on all of your success. I know it's been a it's been a real struggle, but also I'm sure a triumph. Um, and yeah, here's hoping that you'll continue just to accumulate more successes. Thank you so much. Oh, of course.